Hi, my name is Andrea Jansen, and I am on a mission to help people be ambitious at work every single day. That means you're fulfilled, you're productive, and you're contributing to your company. I'm a certified executive coach that has an MBA, a diversity consultant, a Forbes contributor, a business leader, a wife, and a mother of three. This podcast is about tackling hard topics like the gender gap in the workplace. It's about asking the questions that everybody's thinking about, but doesn't want to say out loud. Each episode is like the sweet spot between motivation and tactical strategies to get you ahead. We get out of our comfort zones and we take action. This is where we learn, grow, and create opportunities. Welcome to the Ambition Theory Podcast. Have you ever wondered what it would be like to work at a company where everyone was an A player? Everyone was motivated, hardworking, and by just being around these people, it held you to a higher standard. You became more motivated yourself. You produced more, and you loved every single minute of it. This is what it's like to work at Platform Insurance, and today I'm talking to Scott Beidel, the Chief Operating Officer, who's sharing how they built this amazing culture from the ground up. But before we dive into today's episode, I want to tell you about the Ambition Theory community, which is our brand new monthly membership program that supports leaders all over the world to advance their leadership capacity. There's professional coaching and access to thought leaders just like Scott Beidel, who you're going to hear from today in this episode. But the best part is that you'll be surrounded by people who are trying to achieve the same level of success that you are. Because let's be honest, you can't solve your company's toughest problems on your own. To join our community, go to ambitiontheory.ca. Hi, Scott. Thank you so much for coming on the Ambition Theory podcast. When we first met, it was in March of 2020, and we met at Celebrating Ambition, which was an event that... I created with Jody Millen and Lindsay Reynolds around International Women's Day, and we actually recorded an episode of this podcast. It is season two, episode eight, and your company, Platform Insurance, and you are the COO, was our sponsor. So can you kind of take me back to that time? Because I first met you there. Jody arranged this corporate sponsorship. Tell me what motivated you to, to do this. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, we were very uh, interested to hear about the event from Jody. I've known Jody for years and, and Lindsay as well. And when they told us about the event that you were hosting and told us about you and the um, motivations behind the event, as well as a lot of the like-minded professionals that were going to be at that event, we knew that we uh, wanted to be a part of that, uh, obviously. Uh, I've I've always supported and endorsed Jody in, in her career development. And uh, we share a lot of similar ambitions in terms of uh, some of the initiatives that we have within platform. And we knew that that aligned well with that event. So we wanted to, uh, we wanted to support your team and we thought the message was great and wanted to not only participate in the event, but also thought it was very important to sponsor as well. Okay, so I want to just back up the train a little bit. Can you tell me more about what Platform does and your role? Uh, yeah, absolutely. So I'm the Chief Operating Officer and a shareholder and one of the founding partners of, of Platform. So Platform is a, it's a boutique brokerage uh, firm which specializes in uh, creative financing, surety, and insurance solutions, primarily focused on the construction and the real estate development sectors. 
Okay, so when you took this chance, because I, I really want to go back to this time when Jody and I created the first Celebrating Ambition. It was just an idea. And from my perspective, I think we see things really differently. You were like ready to jump in, ready to show up, ready to take a big risk with us. And I remember when Jody told me that you guys signed up and you wanted to partner with us, I was like flabbergasted. I was like, wow they don't even know me. They've never heard of me. And we've created this idea. And I, I want to understand what gave you the confidence to take a risk and take a chance on us, because that's what it was. I think with, um, you know, as, as we've learned throughout our careers and uh, networking and, and, and building relationships that, you know, we're in a, a people business and that's the most exciting part of our, of our lives the growth of, of our company has really been focused on aligning with people that we feel share our values and people that, that care. And, and I think you meet people in your life and, and Jody was one of those people for me and, and now you and Lindsay and your group there. Uh, and you can just tell with people, you can tell when people care about the message that they're delivering. You can tell when they care about, um, you know, doing something, uh, great. And, and we want to support that. We had people that supported us and believed in us early on. Uh, and we wanted to do the same thing. And I think that if you can align with people like that, which was our motivator to, to working with your group, uh, we can all be successful and, and have a lot of fun doing it. So that, that was the motivation. Okay. I love that. And, and I just want to say thank you. Thank you for taking a chance on us and for having that spirit. And I am really curious because you you are in the insurance business, which in my mind, my automatic thought is you're in the numbers business. You are in the risk management business. You are in not the people business. And the first thing out of your mouth was we are in the people business. So tell me more about that. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, you're right in that a lot of the execution of, of what we do is, is highly analytical you know, there's a quantitative aspect to it. And, uh, and uh, you know, we certainly believe that, you know, that we're experts and we have a very uh, deep bench in the specialty areas that we focus on. But at the end of the day, whether it be uh, bringing on new clients, retaining clients, bringing on great, great colleagues into our, uh, into our business, it's always a people business. It's about connecting with people. It's about um, being sincere and authentic and, uh, and and that's just how most business is done and the insurance industry is is no different and I think the people that uh, that figure out how to um, how to embrace that uh, are the ones that end up being most successful in, in the insurance business there's definitely a people business it'll always be a people business and um, we're excited about that because we love we love being around good people Okay. I love that. So it's really about the people. It's not, it's about the people first, the numbers and the risk management and the analysis second. Yeah. I think, um, I always say that the, you know, if you can align with the right people, we always want to bring the best people into our company to work with us alongside us. Uh, we want to align with the right stakeholders and, uh, and clients and prospects in the industry. And, uh, if, if we can do that successfully, the, uh, the analytics, the execution of our job function is a byproduct of, of that, right? If we can, uh, if we can bring the right people on customer service 
is, is there because our, our team cares about our clients, right? Um, we are successful with our stakeholder partners because we all care about each other's success. So we're willing to put the time and effort into, um, into working towards that for each other. Okay, so I have heard and learned about the Culture App platform in the past couple of months that I've know, gotten to know you and people that you work with at Platform. And I am really inspired by the culture. It's your role model for me as a leader on how to roll, run a company. But I want you to take me back to, I guess it was six years ago when you started the company. What was going on for you when you had this idea to start to start your own insurance company? Yeah, so I mean, the real credit is due to my, my partners, Charles, Matt, and Sean. They're, they were the ones, at the time, we were competitors with each other. Uh, but our industry, you know, we all know each other and, and um, you know, we stay in touch with, with like-minded people. And they, I was working for a different company competing with them and they decided to go out on their own and to start platform. Uh, at the time, I didn't really realize that uh, our interests were so aligned, but we started talking. I joined them about a year in uh, to the company. And uh, yeah, you're, you're right. We're in our sixth year here. And uh, we shared a lot of similar motivations to wanting to go out and start our own company. And, uh, and, and that's what we did. And uh, it was largely based on, on culture and some you know, key strategies that we felt we could be successful in. And, uh, you know, time flies. Okay. So I'm curious, uh, and this is an entrepreneur question. So when I talk to new entrepreneurs, a lot of the times they tell their story and their motivation is they are moving away from something. Like they didn't like working in the big corporate. So they're leaving to do something else. And I'm curious for you when you joined platform, cause it, you didn't start, it was already a year old when you stepped in. Um, was it about moving away from working in a big insurance company or was it more about moving towards something? Yeah, that's a, it's a really great question. And I think, you know, it's, uh, not to divert away from that question, but we, we face a similar question when we're talking to bringing, uh, talking to new people to bring them into the company. What is the motivator? Is the motivator to eliminate a negative or to create a positive? Um, and I try not to look at things quite like that. So I think the, the origins of a platform was we had all worked for large international brokerage firms and they were really excellent in a lot of ways. It's an excellent place to learn business. There is great exposure to complex, uh, high profile deals that you learn a lot. You get uh, you know exposure to some great product experts within those firms. So I, I don't think any of us regret being a part of those organizations. It was a great place to learn the business. What we started to see was a bit of a shift in the marketplace where the large uh, international firms continued to grow through amalgamations. And what, and, and then on the other side of the scale, uh, the smaller sort of ma and pa shop uh, entrepreneurial brokerages over the years were having a hard time keeping up with the technological changes with the innovation, with the move towards a specialty type of expertise that's required in our business. We, um, you know, independently, uh, it was interesting, uh, but when we started talking to each other, we all agreed that there was this great middle lane that was opening up in our business. The amalgamations at the top, what happened was the companies were becoming so large 
that where they lacked was in controlling the culture and controlling the ability to, to innovate quickly. Such a big machine that uh, if there was something that we felt that we could take advantage of or bring on some good people, it moved so slow to be able to execute on those things. So we decided that, you know, what if we could marry those two things? What if we could bring a highly specialized approach, a depth of expertise and a great bench of, of excellent people focused on culture, but also combine that with the entrepreneurial um, tech focused, innovation focused approach and the ability to pivot very quickly if we felt that there was an opportunity. And that was really the genesis of it. Um, not that we wanted to leave something, but we thought that there was a better way to do it. And there was an, a middle lane that had opened up that we could exploit. I love that you created your own lane. I love that concept. That is so fascinating. So you talked about culture a lot. And I know from getting to know you that culture is kind of the number one priority for you. And as you're hiring your people, developing your people, growing the business, and I know I've heard you talk about this a little bit, like the concept of the A player culture. I've read books about it. I've read articles about it. I've listened to podcasts about it. I've heard of other companies implementing it, but I have never had a company on the show that has actually been doing it, living it, breathing it. So can you just take a minute to describe what it means to me? Absolutely. Yeah, culture is, it's interesting, right? Because everybody speaks about having the right culture in their company. Uh, it's often plastered on walls as being a core value or a strategic advantage. Uh, and that was included in the companies that we worked for. And we said, you know, it's funny because uh, that is a real nice buzzword to say, but actually executing on culture is far more difficult than that. So, so what is it? And what did we want that to mean for, for our company? Um, it's so much more beyond just saying that, you know, we want to add the right people to the team. It's, it's a daily, uh, a daily process that takes a considerable amount of, of time and starts from, you know, recruiting, hiring the right people, training and development, uh, just showing people constantly that we care about them and their career path, uh, but also not micromanaging that process, letting people make mistakes learning from those uh, working together arm in arm to to get better together and uh, and just trying to create an environment where everybody knows that uh, we have each other's backs so the a player strategy for our us it's not uh, it's more of a, a general mindset of just identifying and developing and supporting great people that the whole good to great uh, type of strategy it's not uh, perhaps not as linear as the old Jack Welsh, uh, identifying and categorizing people as A, B, or C players. We don't necessarily look at it like that. But I think that, um, you know, I think it's more of a general mindset of how can we attract really, really good people and make them great at what they do, right? Um, there, was, uh, there was a quote that, that we always use here. It actually came out of that uh, good to great book that uh, we say, you know, greatness is, is not a function of circumstance. It's a matter of conscious choice and discipline and being disciplined in the day-to-day -day execution of, of those things is, is very important. Okay. So, I, I yeah. love that you talked about execution. So 
I am really curious because this sounds amazing, right? Like find the best people, develop them, care about their career, have their backs, like, sign me up to work there for platform, right? It sounds fantastic. But how do you actually implement it? Tell me more about that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're right. Because when you just say it, it can come across sounding kind of fluffy, right? Because everybody, everybody wants to do that. You can say it, but then how do you actually do it? And we, you know, we're always learn. We haven't, we're not perfect at this. Um, we've learned a lot uh, through the process. We've learned that um, we've learned that we can't be everything, you know, in the, in the company, the founders of the company, um, you know, we have a certain ambition and, and drive and energy. And I think that that, that attracts a certain amount of people that helped us early on where people would see, um, you know, how enthusiastic we were about this. And they would say, you know, I want to be a part of something like that, where there's a fire and there's a spirit, right? So that in itself was a real great recruiting tactic for us. As we grew larger and we created, you know, multiple offices, we're in Vancouver and and Montreal now, as well as our head office in Toronto, um, you have to be a lot more disciplined in terms of how you actually implement these things. It's not just the touch and feel of the day-to-day. The -day. We need a process behind these things. So how do we actually execute that? I think one of the best things that we did was we recognized that, um, you know, there's a lot of things that we know that we don't know, and there's going to be areas that we don't know we don't know, and we need to uh, add the right professionals into our team to help with that. So, you know, resourcing on the operations side, bringing in HR support. Uh, you know, we, we hired recently a director of organizational development and, and culture whose specific focus is on these things, is on recruiting, retaining, uh, career path development, and, and, and uh, helping people on their individual career paths. So, you know, it's, it's a lot of different uh, levels of execution that start from, you know, a, a very thoughtful and slow recruiting process. We made some mistakes over the years where we uh, hired too quickly because we thought that uh, the, the person may have fit a specific need for us, but we overlooked a bit of that cultural, you know, cultural red flags. And so I want to pause on that. I'm really curious about that. So tell me, take me back to that moment and, and what was going on for you in the business and, and why did you hire them so quickly? And then my second question is, how did you know, like, what were those red flags? Cause hindsight's 2020. So I want to know what they are. It is. Yeah. I think if, um, it's probably not one thing that's that ever sort of happens it's a combination of things i think but if we went back and we you know we always debrief on the good and the bad in in our organization and we try to figure out you know how can we do things better next time where can we learn from those mistakes uh, i think in those cases we probably made a decision too quickly based on some kind of um, determination that this person could help us to solve an immediate technical need or perhaps um, help to generate a certain amount of revenue in a, in a book of business that we felt that we could uh, capitalize on immediately. And those are not the proper decision criterias when we're bringing in good people. As I said before, you know, the execution of the job function and the ability to, uh, to perform at a high level is a byproduct in, in our opinion. So, you know, there may have been some attitude um, issues 
there may have been some ego issues that we decided not to focus on in the early stages because we were too focused on what that person could help to bring into the company. And, uh, and it created problems because our focus is on bringing the right people in that have the right attitudes. The rest of it happens from there. The rest of the execution of their job happens from there. So when we made those mistakes, we realized, you know what, there was some gut feelings early on that we should have paid more attention to. And uh, unwinding that decision is complex. It can be costly. It's a huge distraction and a, and a waste of everybody's time. And um, fortunately, it hasn't created too many problems in those, in those cases, but it's helped us to sharpen up our focus on how we actually bring people in. Hire slow. We, we spend a lot of time. We have almost our entire team having at least some time with our external candidates just to get a feel of, um, of, of attitude and personality and how they would be a fit into the team. That's our, our primary decision criteria when we're bringing people in now. So just hire slow, connect with all different people, and then make sure you get their, all of those different perspectives all together. Yeah. And I mean, sometimes that can seem as though it's, um, you know, perhaps there's too many cooks in the kitchen with, with that process, but um, we feel it's really valuable for everybody to have a voice here. Um, and it doesn't mean that we necessarily have to have the unanimous decision on things, but it's incredible when you have four or five different people uh, looking at the exact same situation, the different perspectives that come out of it. And totally. there, there, there might be things that um, we always say, you know, we're so focused on um, what we want as far as our goals and our, our strategy that sometimes we see what we want to see. And we miss some of these key uh, issues that um, can create a problem for us, not three months, not six months, but two or three years down the road. And that becomes a major issue and potential collateral damage that we have to, to deal with. So we're trying to really focus on, on that. I think our recruitment process is far more detailed than anything I've ever been a part of in, in past jobs. And it can be a little frustrating sometimes because it moves slower than maybe the, the regular um, velocity that, that we do the rest of our business here, but it's been critical in bringing the right people in. But it sounds like to me, it's like you hire slow, you're very slow with the onboarding, but as soon as they go to get there and they join the team, it's like they supercharge in their development, in their contribution. Is that what happens? Yeah, I think so. And I mean, one of our, um, one of our areas for improvement has been to uh, slow down the onboarding process a little bit for people, because I think that has been the tendency where, um, you know, we, we take a considerable amount of time and effort to bring people in. And then um, we believe that they're the right type of people to just be thrown into the fire. And, and uh, most of them do succeed that way but it's, um, it can be intimidating because it is a little bit of a different uh, clip than what people may be used to. So we're working on that. You know, we're working on the sensitivity around, you know, everybody's going to come in and interpret things differently and need, you know, a bit more of a gentle onboarding process. But we move, uh, we move very fast. We have high expectations for people um, and uh, they get thrown into it very quickly. Okay. You, can, you, can, you can find out pretty quickly how people adapt in those situations. 
I love that. And I love that you're just always tweaking. Like you're like, okay, this is not working. We need to make it better. And then you get to that next level and you're like, okay, how do we make it better? And there's always opportunities to improve. So that's one thing that I'm taking away from this in that there's not like, I don't think you're ever going to have it finished because it's, you guys are a growing company. You're an innovative company. You're always going to need to be tweaking and changing and pivoting. And it sounds like your team is able to handle that because of the culture that you've created. Yeah, we, we try to stay flexible with that. And I think as, you know, with uh, with clients or external um, stakeholders, our ability to innovate and pivot is very important, but also internally. I mean, one of the things that always frustrated us with um, our older organizations was these set job functions. And if you wanted to advance in your career, you had to do step A, B, C. Well, you know, you can't fit everybody into the same box. And these companies would be really confused why they had this A player that turned, uh, that got demotivated uh, when they got promoted or left the company and they would be really confused and they would blame it on that person uh, maybe as a way to absolve themselves of responsibility and then move on. And so we would look at that and say, no, the reason is because you're trying to fit that person into a box that they don't want to be in just for their career development. So why lose somebody like that? Instead, why don't we be flexible and sit down with them and say, what do you want to be doing? Let's craft this uh, job function in your path to capitalize on your strengths and abilities and to increase the probability of success for everybody involved. And these things that you don't want to do or that you don't feel you're good at, then you know, why do those things? We can create an environment in which those are, are delegated to, to other people or, you know, everybody has got the right job functions. It makes people more motivated, happy. We're listening to them. They have, a, they have a voice in their own career path instead of just being kind of herded like cattle through this, this set process of, of job functions. So that's, you know, uh, from a retention standpoint, that's been really important. And people have felt like they've had this... Um, they, they, they have accountability because they are the ones that help to build their own job functions. I love that. So it's literally like you're not, it's not a checkbox mentality of the performance review. It's really like helping people to carve their own path where they're interested in learning, where they're interested in growing, where there's innovative new roles. Cause I think that's what's kept you innovative and helped you to create your own lane, which is this company that has great culture and can innovate and adopt the new technology and give the service. And I think that is so fantastic how it all comes together. My next question is about return on investment because it sounds like it's very labor intensive. There's lots of work for you to do. There's lots of work for your partners to do. You need to hire people. Everybody's time is involved in, in interviewing and getting to know people. How do you figure out whether it's worth it? Uh, yeah, I mean, there's, there's a few different uh, metrics that I guess we use, um, but a lot of it is, is really just the touch and feel of it, right? You, you just sort of know, we know if people are, are happy doing what they're doing. I think the, the ROI, if we were going to look at it, you know, in a quantitative way is, is really, you know, the, the growth that we've had and we've been extremely fortunate to, to grow at the pace that we've been growing at, but we think in a very controlled manner, we have handpicked everybody that's joined our company we've retained uh, everybody that we've wanted to retain. We've, uh, we've in, in five to six very short years, 
we've created a brand and a reputation in in this marketplace, not only in in the insurance space, which you know we love, that's our world, but also in um, you know in a you know affiliated industries in the legal community, in banking, in uh, development, and and all of the other supporting industries. So I mean that in itself is to us uh, is showing us that we're heading in the right direction. And uh, but you're right, it's a lot of work. But we want it to be a lot of work, and I think it's, um, you know, that's been that's been a different differentiating factor for us. So the team, when when the team, you can, like I said at the very beginning, the reason that that we wanted to support your group is you can just tell people that care, and and I want to be aligned with those people, not only from a business standpoint, but also in in my personal life. Right, like I want to be around happy people that are engaged, that are motivated. I don't want to be around people that are that are jerks. And um, you know, there's 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 a book that I, I read. I won't I won't swear on your podcast, but the the no a hole rule. I don't know if you ever read that book, but it's it's great. And I mean, it's a simple process that a lot of companies have adopted over the years. We don't want to work with people like that. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be associated with people like that in my personal life. So so you just know when people care. And our team cares and the quality of, of their work, the service that they provide to clients, the, the uh, spirit that's demonstrated in our proposals to prospective clients, it's tangible. And, and people comment on that all the time. I can tell that, that your team cares. And, and we, always, we have a saying in the office here, and I think it's so true, it's a motto that we live by, you can't fake the hustle. You can, you can sort of, you know, maybe for a little tiny bit, but people, they know if you're working hard for them, they know if you care. And uh, to, to us, when we watch people, when you see people, when you hear how engaged they are and, and the way in which they engage our clients, we know that they care. And we know that that's a big part of that is the culture. So we feel like what we're doing is, is right. I love that. So I always encourage people to take action within 24 hours after learning something new. And you have taught me a lot of things, Scott, um, and I want to implement some of them. But what is something that people can do immediately if they're like, you know what, I like this concept of a player. I like this concept of holding people accountable and pushing them and growing them and finding the best people. What is one thing people can do within 24 hours? So by tomorrow to get started on this in their company. Yeah, um, you know, we, um, the, the, the partners here at, at our company, we all, you know, we all subscribe to different, you know, business theory, we've read a lot of books, you know, you, you, you listen to podcasts, you watch shows on these sorts of things, and, and um, the, the concept is there, and that's great, and, and we want to do those things, but then how do you actually implement it is, is a different situation. What we did, and this is what I would encourage people to do, uh, I tell this to our team on an individual basis. I, I would recommend this to other companies is I think you, you know, one thing you can do is to step outside of your comfort zone a little bit. And when people do that, they um, oftentimes will be very surprised with what they'll learn or who they'll meet or the people that they do meet uh, that are very uh, helpful and, and willing to help them succeed in what they're looking for. When we, when we had this idea of a culture focus, a people uh, focused business, 
we identified a few companies that we had worked with. We identified some companies that were outside of our industry and we just connected with them. And we, and, and you have to get out of your comfort zone a little bit, maybe to do that. And we said, you know, we admire your organization. You know, you're constantly on these lists of best employers, or uh, we just know the people that work there and everybody, you know, and, and people try to recruit people from your company and they throw money at them and they throw perks, but people won't leave your company. Help us to understand what it is that you're doing that makes people want to work there, you know, so badly. And we've never had anybody shut us down to that question. People are proud to talk about their organizations. They're proud to tell you, and they will give you a roadmap on how you can do that. They can say, these are the things that are really important to people. These are the things that aren't, you know, throwing a, a little bonus at somebody. Maybe that doesn't that, you know, that uh, monetary um, reward, maybe that's not what motivates people truly, you know, in, in their, in their heart and soul. Right. So they give you this advice and then, um, being vulnerable and being, um, you know, exposing yourself and saying, I want to, we want to build a company like this. People automatically almost, they want to help you. Right. So they say, okay, well, you know, they give you some advice on those things, but Hey, how about I connect you to this person? Or how about I introduce you to this person? And all of a sudden you have this person in your network that, um, all you really had to do is reach out to them and they want to help you and they're invested in your success and they're accountable now to your success. And some of our, our best strategic partners, have been the ones that we just reached out to early on and just asked them how they did, you know, how they grew their business. I love that. So get out of your comfort zone specifically with networking and find someone in a business that you admire or an industry that's different than yours and just simply connect. Thank you for that, Scott. That is fantastic. That is a fantastic action. So if people want to learn more about platform, how do they do that? Uh, absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, the best place to start is probably our website. It's www.platforminsurance.com. Uh, I'm always happy to connect with people uh, individually. My cell phone uh, is uh, is always on day or night. My wife doesn't always like that, but, uh, but how, what's on. the best people way to, for people to find you? Is it on LinkedIn? I am on LinkedIn. Yeah. You okay. can, uh, you can reach out to me on LinkedIn. Uh, I actually have all my personal contact information on LinkedIn as well. Okay. So, so you can email me, you can call my cell, you can just connect with me on LinkedIn, happy to do that and, uh, and have that chat on the phone or, or meet up for a coffee anytime. I love that. Thank you so much for coming on this podcast and also for just taking a chance on our company in the very early stages. You, I don't think you know how much I, from the bottom of my heart, really appreciate that and how much an impact it's had on us and this thing that we're growing right now. Hi there, before you go, I was wondering if I could ask you a huge favor. Can you click on iTunes and give the podcast a five-star review and also a comment? This would mean the world to me. It also helps us to spread the word about the podcast and attract higher profile guests. We wanna be able to deliver thought leadership around diversity and inclusion every single week and having more reviews on iTunes will help us to do that and help us to keep the show going for free for you. So please head to iTunes right now, give us a five-star review and leave us a comment. Thanks so much. Mm -hmm.